You're listening to the Awesome Podcast Network. This is 80s Revisited. I'm your producer, Jesse Sedgley. And now your hosts, Daniel Sanangelo and Trey Harris. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another great, exciting episode of 80s Revisited. I'm one of your hosts, Trey Harris. And I'm the other, Daniel Sanangelo. And with us, with us as always, is our producer. Yes, I am. Jesse Sedgley. Uh, we're on, kind of on the road again at my house. Uh, just so you know, the, our format, we tend to do two shows at a time. Uh, just to kind of make it easy because we all get together. And, of course, Daniel's an expecting father, and we all have our jobs and everything. So we try to knock out two at a time. So if you're tuning back in, anticipating if you want any of our contests, <laughs> we, won't, we won't announce it till at least the next episode in a couple weeks, uh, our time, but one week your time. Uh, but definitely send them in if you still haven't. We yeah, will or you can check out. us out on Facebook. Oh, true. Um, Facebook.com slash Awesome Podcast Network, and we'll announce the winners there. Excellent. I tend to forget about our Facebook. I apologize. That's my bad. But uh, yeah, uh, our Facebook is Awesome Podcast Network, uh, and there's two other great shows on said network, one being Geekly Dose with our friends Tim Bridgewater and Stephen Nocentelli. Definitely check those guys out for your Geekly Dose of awesome news for the week. And the other is Duo Attack, which stars our very own Jesse Sigley and Justin Yay! Owens, and it's every and everything hero clicks and whatnot, so check those out. Definitely, guys. They're as good, or if not better, than ours. Very informative, too. Uh, just a, I know they help my work day go by a little bit faster, and I'm sure they will yours as well. Uh, so if you listened last week, of course, don't forget, again, we do have our contest uh, to win a DVD copy of the Boondock Saints regarding aliens, and then, of course, a DVD copy of Labyrinth from last week. And we, w- we will repeat those questions at the end of this episode, just since we're recording them on the same day, just so y'all be able to hear them again. But this week is all about Poltergeist, the 1982 Scarefest. I know I had a couple of nightmares induced by this film. I don't know about you guys, but yeah, it was a couple of scenes in particular, which we'll get into. But uh, Poltergeist, I think, actually, it's funny because our previous earliest 80s movie we did was Friday the 13th, which was 80, right right in 80. Uh, This one's 82, I believe. I want to say this might be the second Our previous earliest? I guess you could say Star Wars is our earliest. Yeah, that doesn't count. Because it was not an 80s movie. Yeah, well. But we, what, you know why Empire we did that 80? One. Yeah, but yeah. it was uh, July, I believe. Mm-hmm. So this was June 4th, 1982. Yep, so close. Oh, no, Empire. No, you're right. I'm sorry. This is the third. Huh. You're right. I'm sorry. I, was, I don't know why I was thinking of Jedi's release year for some reason being 83. But yeah, uh, so this is our third earliest 80s movie. So we're getting out of the 1986 renaissance mm-hmm. we've been in for a couple of weeks <laughs> with Aliens and Labyrinth uh, in 1986. As we mentioned before, that's sort of a huge year for iconic 80s films. But uh, again, mm-hmm. Poltergeist released on June 4th, 1982, uh, which was uh, the same day as Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan! Or so I hear one of the only, one of the best Star Trek movies, right? It's, I mean, I'm, I like Star Trek. I'm not a big fan of Star Trek. Uh, the new one was great. Yeah, I like, I, I love The Next Generation. Like, as a, uh, in the 90s, watching the TV show, uh, the older Captain Kirk stuff, you know, it's iconic, and they're good movies, but, you know... My heart beats Star Wars, but I do I do like Star Trek. But that is two is tends to be like the one most revered yeah. by the fans because it's sort of like Kirk facing the anti-Kirk, in a you. sense. What you know, a tactical genius such as Khan and whatnot. You know, it's usually the best the like Bond. Like my favorite's Goldeneye because 007 fights the anti 007 being 006. Usually, when you pair uh, a hero up with his antithesis, 
that's where you have the best matchup. Mm-hmm. The opposites are fighting. Link versus Shadow Link in the second one. Mm-hmm. I mean, Professor X versus Maggie. I mean, <laughs> if, if you look at the archetype of characters, I mean, it, it's endless as to who you can name. But yeah, uh, mm-hmm. that's, I think that's a reason why a lot of people like it. Because, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, because it's a meeting of, you know, one type of good meeting the same type of evil, in yeah. a sense. So it's a good dynamic that works in a lot of movies. Uh, it opened a week after Rocky Three, nope. which I will reference. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Pain is the forecast. And Hogan, right? Yeah, and mm-hmm. early, in the, early in the movie, yeah. What was and, his uh, name? Uh, that's a good trivia question. If you know the answer. Uh, I, I did remember. If Daniel can't get it by the end of the podcast, <laughs> if you know the answer, we will give you a DVD prize the next time I buy one on Blu-ray. Yeah. So if you get that, that there we go. We'll do I don't want to look it up either. I'm okay. not going to look it up. The first person to send us Hogan's name from Rocky Three, the next time I get a movie on Blu-ray that I have on DVD, you will get that DVD mailed out to you free of charge. Mm-hmm. So it's not Clubber Lane because that's, that's, Mr. that's T, so. Mr. T. That's a good question. That's fun. We'll have to look it up after, after if, in case you don't remember it. Uh, but interestingly enough, and we'll get into this too when we get to the trivia, Poltergeist opened a week before the highest grossing movie of 1982 and the second of, no, the, I don't remember of all time. Anyway, E.T. Yeah. I don't remember the number mm-hmm. of it. Uh, Star Wars the second all-time adjusted. I can't remember what E.T. is. It's above Star Wars, I think, now. Oh, no, it, no it, like we said in the episode, it was E.T. dethroned Star Wars, then Star Wars got number one again after a special edition yeah. and dethroned by Titanic, yeah. So uh, Poltergeist opened a week before Spielberg's classic E.T. A little bit of trivia there. The budget for Poltergeist, 10.7, mm. which... Uh, Today I find surprising simply because uh, Craig T. Nelson was in it, but he really wasn't that well known at the time of this movie. So he was, and we'll get into that too with the trivia. Uh, so I can see where the, I can see that being, I would guess that as a budget. I could see where they spent that money mm-hmm. in that. Uh, it's opening weekend. It made six point eight million, uh, and I did. Try, I tried to find out if it was number one that weekend or if Star Trek beat it. I couldn't find any info as to who was the king of the box office for that weekend. So if you know that, shoot us an email so we can know the answer to that. The gross of Poltergeist was $76.6 million, so mm-hmm. huge success. I mean, naturally, it did spawn two sequels. And I think there was even a television show, briefly, like mm-hmm. called Poltergeist The Legacy. I don't, I think I remember hearing, I might have been on IMDb. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was like one of those short-lived things, kind of like they did with uh, other 80s horror movies, like franchise, like Fre- uh, Freddy, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street had Freddy's Nightmares. Which is actually a good show because Robert Unglund in Freddy Makeup introduced each episode. Whereas they had the Friday the 13th series, which had nothing to do with Crystal Lake or Jason Voorhees and was kind of silly. They had some good episodes, but it was more like a Tales from the Dark Side, Tales from the Crypt type thing and not representative of the series as Freddy's Nightmares was. Uh, let me see. Directed by Toby Hooper, or Tobe Hooper, if however you want to pronounce his name, but it's Toby. Uh, he rose to fame by directing one of the greatest horror movies of all time, The Texas Chainsaw Massacre. The original, not the terrible remake. That was absolute garbage. He also directed Salem's Lot and another iconic 80s movie with one of the freakiest scenes ever, Invaders from Mars. Anybody at this round table seen Invaders from Mars? No. Nope. Okay. If you've seen Invaders from Mars, you, know, you, you probably know what scene I'm talking about in the back room of the teacher's classroom. So I don't want to spoil it for these virgins because we'll have to... No, we're, we're going to watch it. Okay. It's an 80s movie. We'll oh, watch okay. it. Uh, <laughs> it was actually a remake of an older movie. And actually, the guy that plays uh, Mr. Teague, James Karen from Poltergeist, was uh, an Army general in Invaders from Mars. So a little, mm-hmm. you know, Toby Hope directed it and referenced the Poltergeist. He has one of the actors from it in it. So, but it's a, it's definitely an '80s movie. Yeah. So it doesn't really hold up, but it's still, 
pretty freaking creepy. <laughs> so we'll definitely do that one eventually on an episode. Uh, how can you can if you didn't hear that? Uh, my wife was saying she gets the uh, Salem's Lot and the Sandlot confused. I don't understand how that is humanly possible. So, is it just the name? She's nodding her head. Yes. Okay. So moving on. <laughs> People get you have to talk into the mic, sweetie. We had a we had a good review about that. So we got to talk to the mic if you want to say something. So come a little closer. Right. Anyway, moving on. Back to the. <laughs> Uh, the, uh, the story, the concept was Spielberg, which is the movie is very Spielbergian in its happy, you know, it's a happy ending. There's the, the comedy aspect to it. You know, Spielberg makes even in his, with the exception of maybe Munich and Amistad, you know, he has that little moments in movies where there are that lighter, lighter heartedness, lighter yeah. uh, tones at different, even Jaws has the moment where, you know, uh, Brody's playing with his kid. Where he's doing the thing with his hand, you know, a sweet little moment. You know, it's that humanistic touch that Spielberg adds to his movies. Whereas, uh, if Toby Hooper actually wrote this movie, it'd be like the Texas Chainsaw, and people would be getting just murdered by these poltergeist spirits and whatnot. Uh, we'll get to the kill count because yeah. that, that tells you a lot about it. <laughs> the screenplay was written by Spielberg, also Michael Grayus, and Mark Victor. But again, mainly a story by Spielberg. I'm sure Spielberg had most of the. This may, it's mostly him, so even though there were other people writing it, yeah. you know, he's still top build. Uh, the great Craig T. Nelson, of course, played uh, Steve Freeling, Mr. Freeling. Most, most people remember him from Coach, the TV series, but I remember him as the cold-hearted bastard that shot Hooch and Turner and Hooch. <laughs> I will never forgive you, Craig T. Nelson. Never. And uh, to some of our younger listeners out there, he was also the voice of Mr. Incredible in yep. Disney Pixar's The Incredibles. Uh, the lovely Joe Beth Williams, my wife did not know that, uh, was Diane Freeling, the wife. Uh, she was pretty uh, well known for Kramer versus Kramer and, of course, Poltergeist 1 and 2 and also uh, The Big Chill in the 80s. And also recently she was in Dexter, which I, don't, I haven't seen that show, but uh, she was in several episodes. I'm not familiar with the show or her character, but it wasn't like a one-time appearance. But... Uh, I thought she was quite fetching in this Pretty? film. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. Mm. In a very homely mm. kind of way. Like a, a natural beauty. She's not wearing she's not all made up. <laughs> she's a she's staying a very housewifeish type, you know. Hotness where you don't need to put I mean, makeup not a, on. Not as hot as our wives, but you know, she she was she was very attractive for a nineteen eighty two person. <laughs> okay. Well what exactly does homely mean into homely means like plain bordering on ugly. Okay, she's definitely not homely. <laughs> I meant homely is like no makeup. She's staying at home a lot. Okay, so you just mean like the girl next door. Okay, there we go. Okay. Okay, or natu- the mother next door. Stacy's mom, quote unquote, <laughs> type situation. MILF hadn't been invented yet. Yeah. <laughs> MILF actually would have been an appropriate term in a PG movie at the time of this, since mm-hmm. you could say the F word in PG movies. See Spaceballs. Uh, Dominique Dunn was the daughter, Dana Freeling. Uh, she did some various TV stuff before she passed away, which we'll touch on that in a little bit. Interestingly. Yes, very, one of those Hollywood murder-type mm. situations. Uh, also passed away, Heather O'Rourke, was Carol Ann. Uh, of course, she was in Poltergeist 1 through 3, uh, and she died tragically at a young age. Uh, James Karen, who I mentioned before, was also in Invaders from Mars, was Mr. Teague. He was also in David Lynch's great film, Mulholland Drive, and also Wall Street, another great 80s movie featuring Gordon Gecko. Uh, Michael Douglas has Gordon Gecko, one of the iconic 80s characters of cinema, who recently returned with 
God forbidden Shia LaBeouf. Uh, but a lot of people might, you might, if you don't know James Karen from this or some of the other films I mentioned, uh, he's, a lot of people might recognize him. He was kind of the uh, older gentleman in the Return of the Living Dead films that was always screaming and crying when he was turning into a zombie. Most people might remember him from that if you didn't recognize him from any of the other things. And then, of course, Tangina or Tangina, however you want to say it. <laughs> I just think it's funny. I'm sorry. Didn't mean to go that way. But uh, Zelda Rubenstein, of course, was Tangina. And uh, she's mainly tied to the series ever since she was in the sequel, not three, uh, I believe just two. But recently she was in uh, Southland Tales, which was oh, the dude that directed Donnie Darko, I forget his name. But it was his second film with The Rock and uh, pretty, I thought it was a pretty good movie. What was it called? Southland Tales. Mm. It's on Netflix, mm. if you want to check it out. Okay. It's good. I mean, it, yeah, I can't mm. think of his name either. Uh, let me see. And I, I did not know this. I didn't recognize him, but Sonny Landham is pool, work, pool worker number two. Sonny Landham is Billy from Predator. He was working on the Freely's pools before he went to the jungles of South America to challenge a predator to a knife fight. That is a badass pool worker right there. But also, uh, uh, Richard Kelly was the director of Donnie Darko and uh, Southland Tales. Uh, but also, of course, Sonny Landham was Billy and Predator. That's what 99% of the people out there know him from. Uh, he was also one of the villains in his Predator co-star starring role movie of Action Jackson with Carl Weathers. And he, uh, Sonny Landham also almost completed the trifecta of Predator stars going on to be governors. Uh, he ran for, to be governor of Kentucky, but uh, he withdrew sometime before the election, I believe. <laughs> but, uh, of course, his other Predator co-stars, gubernatorial candidates, uh, candidates, candidates <laughs> who won their respective elections. Of course, Jetty, Jesse the Body Ventura, and, of course, the governor himself, Arnold Schwarzenegger of California. So it's pretty funny how that one movie spawned two and a half governors. You know, Carl Weathers, man, come on, <laughs> run for governor. No, he's waiting. And, uh, oh, Duke, what was his name? I forget his real name. You know, the other uh, black guy would shave himself. Don't know. You remember him? Oh man, Predator coming up soon. I have watched Predator too. So. He's, you know, he's always shaving himself with the dry, rate, dry shaving himself the whole time. <laughs> Don't know. You know the dude. You you remember the, most of the people in the movie, like the dude reading the comic books in the beginning that gets killed first. I Not forget really. his name. But uh, that's the dude that wrote Lethal Weapon. I forget his name. But uh, he's that dude that gets taken out pretty quick. Podcast forgetfulness on this one. (laughs) I will think of it. Maybe not by the time this podcast ends, but... I can't think of the Hogan. Might as well just... Good. It's a contest. (laughs) Impromptu contest. Okay. Uh, Let me see. Uh, IMDb gave Poltergeist a 7.4, which is in Daniel's scale. Pretty good. If you do that. Rotten Tomatoes, 87%. Kind of had a funny face on that one. Too high for you? Too a high little for your too taste? high for me. Okay, yeah. we'll, we'll get to that. In. Uh, let's see, we done the cast. Okay, well, go ahead. The floor is yours. Daniel Santangelo, what did you think of Poltergeist? Yeah, it was okay. Mm-hmm. I would call it average, maybe a little bit above. Mm-hmm. Um, and you haven't seen this before. You saw bits and pieces, I saw correct? a little bit of it. But, but never like, start to finish. Yep. Mm-hmm. Awesome. And I know some of the little famous lines, stuff mm-hmm. like that. Uh the, the thing, I guess I should have watched this as a kid because the parenting always, <laughs> like, we, me and Andrea were talking about the parenting so much on this movie <laughs> that it was just, uh, we got in discussion of where she's talking to that parapsychologist or whatnot, yeah. or para, but anyway, um, how she was kind of just, she was okay with the fact that her kid was missing. In the television. So, in the television, 
and she was happy, you know, she kind of had a smile on her face when describing how good her husband was during <laughs> all this and everything. Touching his face, like yeah. you mentioned. Also, at the end, spoiler alert, you probably should watch the, watch the movie if you're listening to Again, this. Again, there's a 10-year limitation on spoilers, and we're talking about 80s movies, so. But at the end, after everything's sort of calmed down and stuff, and she wants to go get her a good bath, you know, to, <laughs> to ease the soul. She has the kids right back into the room where all this, <laughs> all this shit went on and closes the door on them. Me and Andrew having that discussion. Really? <laughs> <laughs> and in the very beginning, whenever her son comes in, he's having a nightmare at the storm. And mm-hmm. she's sitting in the bed rolling a joint and smoking pot. <laughs> and then when he comes in, she's like, oh, yeah. And she takes one last puff and then just tries to wave the smoke away. Like, <laughs> yeah, no, no, we're not, we're not smoking pot in here. What you need, baby? And it's just... <laughs> Like, well, of course, you know, their kid's probably like, it's your mommy's just smoking a cigarette. It's just, you a, know, it's a, a different type of cigarette. Yeah. <laughs> and then he's over at his other friend's house, and the brother's, oh, my mommy smokes those cigarettes too. And another one was whenever she sends the same son to the grandmother's house, she puts him in a cab. And I understand that if she doesn't want to leave, you know, the, her daughter missing in the house, she doesn't want to go with him and all that, but she doesn't like. I mean, how does she know the taxi driver's not going to kill this kid? (laughs) And then she just says, baby, call me, okay? I mean, not like, call me when you get there. Let me know you made it alive. Why didn't the grandma come and get Get him? I mean, if it's (laughs) she obviously lives close enough where he can just take a taxi. Yeah, There was just a lot of poor parenting decisions in there. (laughs) The other one was uh, after he gets eaten by the tree, she kind of... You know, while everything else is going on in the house, leaves the kid kind of back. You know, you just had this traumatic experience. I'm sure there's not a lot of people in this world that's been eaten by a tree. Why don't you stay here right now, and I'll leave you alone here while I go search for your sister. He's like, now that you're back from Oz, let's go back to the room. <laughs> Where, you know, there's nothing in the closet. I'm sure. We're going to leave the creepy clown doll in your room, too. I'm sure there's been some weird instance where a tree fell on somebody, and there was a hollow point in the tree, and right as it landed... It ate the person. (laughs) (laughs) But that doesn't happen very often, so usually you should try to calm the guy down, you know, this little kid, before you go out. You would think. Or have him go with you. But look, Dan, you know, man, this was the 80s, man. 82, coming right out of the 70s, you know. Parents smoked a little weed. They had to, you know, it was a little bit different back then. You could put your kid on a plane. If you're going to talk, you got to get to the mic, love. (laughs) They don't say anything. (laughs) You can say whatever you want. Just come over here a little close to your husband and talking to the mic. But uh, yeah, but even, but it, a lot of movies around that time, uh, especially in the '80s time frame, there are a lot of things that you would never do, because you know, of course, different time, whatever. No, I mean, there were still pedophiles, there were still murderers in that time frame, but it wasn't on the news every night that some kid was abducted. You would put your kid on a plane to go across country to see your ex-wife and stay with her for a week I mean, or whatnot. Yeah. But nowadays, I mean, I wouldn't put my kid on a plane. Is an air marshal going to escort him? Because then that's the only way he's getting on. You know, he or she will get on a plane if they're. In, I'm not with him. I mean, Kevin, he stayed in New York all alone for a couple of weeks. He yeah, was fine. That was the back 90s. in the day. It's it's good. Well, it's <laughs> when Macaulay Culkin gets left alone somewhere. Comedy he's such an ensues. independent person. Yeah, he's able to take care of himself <laughs> twice. <laughs> I was gonna. Say, because, of course, they made, like, three, four, and five with some other people. Was it even the same? Do you even know if it was the, the same character? The third one was the kid from Liar Liar. I know that But much. was he still, like, Kevin McAllister? Ooh, I, I, I'm not, I, would, I don't think so. Because I never saw him after three. younger. Like, I mean, after unless, two. Unless somehow they became in the realm of peanuts 
and uh, never age, yeah. or the Simpsons and he never de-ages. age. I've mutated into this dark-haired child. <laughs> this old body was too old and drugged out. But Other he, than Kevin McAllister, though, you shouldn't really stay. But, I mean, know? Kevin McAllister grew up to become MacGyver. Oh. <laughs> I guess. I, mean, <laughs> I didn't know. He aged really quickly. Well, he, he actually he, no, he aged reverse. No, he's Benjamin. He's Benjamin. <laughs> so that's my next correlation. MacGyver was is also Benjamin Button, and his younger self is Kevin McAllister, and his even younger self is uh, the baby from Baby's Day Out, who was resourceful to evade capture from criminals. <laughs> Never watched that. <laughs> okay. So it's, a, it's actually a. Fu- I thought it was. A, I've only seen it once on VHS when it came out. I thought it was pretty funny, but I don't remember much. I just remember the scene where the baby lit a lighter and held it to the captor's crotch repeatedly. <laughs> for some reason, that's all I remember. For some reason, it was the funniest thing I'd ever seen at the time. You got dogs running cross country and a cat. You know, they can oh, make yeah. their way home. You know, crossing it, these mountains. It, an over incredible the journey. I'm telling you. <laughs> Able to speak without actually moving their mouth. Well, that's what, you know, if there's no humans around, the dogs really rock, rock, or they're like, <laughs> look what I did. Guess what I did the other day? I stood in front of the closet when the, the wife got home and just growled. <laughs> it was so cool. The secret world of dogs and cats. A- Andrew, was, we were having this discussion. How life would be so different if dogs could talk? Yeah. Think about that. Well, I mean, they'd still be subservient <laughs> because they don't have thumbs, so they really couldn't do much. But just imagine, like... They'd be great babysitters. Yeah. You know, and like... <laughs> well, where's your kid? Oh, I left him with the dog. You come home, all right, son, <laughs> did you did you leave the house? No, Dad. Oh, and, you know, uh, Scruffy speaks up. Oh, yes, he did. <laughs> I followed him. He went to these locations. Why did you Follow pee? me. Why did you pee on the floor? Hey, you look, pissed man. pissed me off. Like, <laughs> you didn't feed me. <laughs> I don't want this food. Uh, can can I open a door knob? No. <laughs> I would be content if we had the collars from up. We could just pop them on. Oh, master, I'm so happy you're home. Or to get the alpha, the broken one. Oh, God, that made me laugh so oh, hard. That was I'm, like... I, mean, I was court, crying on that part. Well, first of all, you're crying for the first 10 minutes oh, of the God, movie. Yeah. Like, that's the movie that... It's like, <laughs> <laughs> And then, you know, it's you're, you're, it's so good. And then Alpha's sitting there, the Doberman menacingly in the shadows, hunting for the bird. And then I forget what he says, but, reporting to the master! And it's like, oh, we, we both lost it. Like, tears. Like, it was, that was, like, comedic genius when that happened. You, you know, sometimes when you laugh so hard, you start to, like, you're trying to hide the fact. Yeah. I was trying to hide myself because I thought she, I may have been getting on her nerves because I just <laughs> continuously was laughing. That was, that was a That's great the movie. coolest thing in movies. Though. Like, yeah. In Liar Liar, um, no, excuse me, not Liar Liar, um, Bruce Almighty, whenever he started to have the powers of God and he went in to that little diner yeah, and he asked for a spoon, well, at that moment, like right before it happened, I was like, that would be really cool if he, a spoon was about to come out. Like I, I had that thought in my head, and when he said "spoon," I, I lost it. I could not quit laughing. It happened in Ratatouille when the big, strong uh, mouse was punching the meat. Oh to yeah, tenderizing the, the meat. <laughs> well, that's what, you know, Pixar, especially, is genius about that. It's the little things. The little things. You know, yeah. it's not. It's in there, but it's not like the main joke or anything. And <laughs> it's. I love rewatching whenever we watch another Pixar movie. Or even, you know, some of the DreamWorks animated ones, too. Like, the, you know, you're watching the main action or something's going on. And then you kind of, when you've seen a movie several times, excuse me, you tend to, like, watch things 
other parts of the yeah, scene you don't normally the, yeah. watch. Oh my, did you see that? <laughs> like in Star Wars where the stormtrooper bumps his head. If you're just watching the movie, you're not going to see that. Willow likely. with the chicken. Yeah, yeah. I'm always <laughs> tripping on the chicken. You know, all sorts of different things that like, your first view when you're not going to catch because you're watching a movie. But then when you, you know, you watch it again, so like last week in Labyrinth, you know, the, the perfect thing. Like when you watch the, you know, the different scenes, you could see like, oh, you know, there's somebody puppeteering over there and like all this is coming together and mm-hmm. oh my God, you know, the chicken getting hit by the hopefully paper mache boulder that Ludo is calling and whatnot, you know, so it's all, it's always fun to rewatch movie. That's one of the fun parts too, especially with a lot of the movies we do because I've seen most of these so many times when I watch them, I'm looking for stuff that I don't, rem- you know, mm. haven't seen or don't remember. We need to watch Lights, Jesse, and uh, see if there's <laughs> anything going on in the background. <laughs> Which you can check out on YouTube, Sedgley Films. Sedgley Films, excuse me. I'm sorry, Jesse. <laughs> S-E-I-D-U-L-E Films. Some, you can actually see what we look like, <laughs> and you might be disappointed. <laughs> I'm just kidding. We're both happily married, and we're very manly men. Yeah. Men in tights sometimes. Yeah. Uh, so, any other parenting tips to give... I'm just hoping we don't do that. <laughs> well, it's not the 80s. So if our house, you know, becomes like haunted and stuff whenever Allison's born, I hope we have a better thought. Well, see, process. you know, I mean, every now and then we'll watch a ghost show, like especially if it's on a, about a location that we've been, like uh, we've been to St. Augustine a couple of times, and there's like a haunt, supposed haunted lighthouse mm-hmm. there, and oh, we've been there. Let's see what it's about, you know, and whatever. And you know, I, I mean, it's unknown. I don't necessarily believe in it, but you know, so I think if I was, if this house got haunted or a poltergeist was in it, you know. I probably wouldn't want to leave because I would like this is so freaking cool. I would, you know, I would leave. Immediately. But then, like, if <laughs> knives start levitating out of drawers and she starts speaking in tongues or something, yeah, then we're out of here. I would have left immediately after seeing those tables, the chairs stack up perfectly in the amount of what two seconds? Yeah. Yeah, actually, when I was watching that last night with you, um, this is one of my favorite movies, and I I love and I don't like horror movies, but. I remember that scene right there when the chairs stacked themselves in two seconds scared the hell out of me. <laughs> like almost more than anything else. Mm-hmm. But then I remember watch, thinking last night when we were watching it when Craig T. Nelson comes home and she shows him and she's all like, look how cool this, <laughs> this is. is. And everything, and he's freaked out. And he's like, no, nobody goes in the kitchen. Yeah. I was thinking that's more how I think Daniel would be like, no, no, nobody's going in the kitchen. We'll go. We're going to go out to dinner. Yeah. You know, stay here. We're, you know, in fact, we're going to sell the house. We're getting the hell out of here. Yeah. I don't think I would be like, look how cool. Our daughter goes flying across the kitchen. <laughs> I'm going to put a helmet on her so she shouldn't bang her head. Yeah, but. at least. <laughs> what if she, you know, she slide to the circle all of a sudden, to yeah. the roof. and. <laughs> I don't think I would have been like the mom, but I do remember thinking I could see that being the role of Daniel. Mm-hmm. It was the dads, that, you know, when they're looking. No, I'll go look. No, 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 no. Don't go in the kitchen. I'll go look in the kitchen. You stay here. Well, it's like that, you know, it's, it's the theory you can bring in any movie, like, have these characters in this movie ever actually seen a movie? <laughs> you know, if stuff starts happening in my house, everybody's leaving. I'll probably, like I said, you know, I'm going to invest it. I'm going to see what's going on here because I'm an inquisitive person. You know, I, well, I mean, I say that, but again, nobody, to be true, you know, no, nobody knows what you're doing in a situation. You're actually in a situation. I might crap my pants and faint and you'll have to drag me out and I yeah, go to an insane. The chair's moved. The chair's moved. Oh! He, he was cute and everything, but what if you saw Slimer in real life? From Ghostbusters, well, wouldn't that scare the I mean, shit it, out of you? I'd be like, oh, am I first? You know, I, I think again. I think I would do this because you can't say what you would do. But I'd be like, okay, that's Slimer. <laughs> that is literally Slimer from Ghostbusters. I'm okay, I'm pinching dreaming. myself. I'm not. I'm not dreaming. I don't smell alcohol in my breath. 
I don't believe I've done any drugs lately. <laughs> Nobody could have drugged me, but he's right here. <laughs> and then Autumn's like, hey, what's going on there? It's looking at me, Autumn. <laughs> <laughs> ah! You have a good hallway for it, yeah, too. So. You know, I, I would, now, I can tell you for a fact, if it was the damn librarian ghost from Ghostbusters, because oh, <laughs> I think I've mentioned before on the podcast, when I was a kid, that scared the crap, when, you know, she's like, shh. That's the dog. Get her! And mm-hmm. then when she like turns into that thing and her little horn boobies come out and it's it's the cre that, that scared me to death as a child. Man, the dog scared me. I, I, I don't know. I, we had a discussion too. I can't remember what episode of the podcast, but it was always that chick in the beginning. After that, I was fine with the movie. Nothing was scary to me. I, I enjoyed the, the hell out of it. No. Actually, the hands coming out of the chair when I was a kid oh, yeah. kind of creeped me out. Like, oh my God, what happened? Wish I could have been that hand. Oh. I'm just kidding. But, uh... <laughs> I guess uh, I'm one that will investigate. Like yesterday, I did hear like screaming outside my house. Mm-hmm. All it was was somebody looking for their dog. But they did I, find the dog. Yeah, we don't want to leave you in suspense. But like one time, um, I fell asleep in the living room. I wasn't in trouble. wasn't in a doghouse or anything. And uh huh. One of the dreams I was having is I was being strangled by this chick. I don't know what she kind of reminded me. Ooh, of the girl. I've had dreams like this too. <laughs> Kind of reminded me of the girl from the ring, like that look and stuff. Like the the Samara, Samara, whatever her name is. Yeah, the, the, the but like the an chick adult from the version. TV. So she's choking me down onto the floor of the carpet in my room. So like I'm like, okay, I know this is a dream. You know, some some people can they'll know when they're dreaming. Yeah. You know, they don't want it to end or they want it to end. So anyway, I knew it was a dream, so I was like, okay, let's end this. So I stopped, and I woke up in that same position, and then like I'm like laying down on the floor. And I look over towards the couch and somebody's sitting on it, looking at me. Then I woke up from that dream. Like I had a dream. Dream within a... Inception. Did DiCaprio show up? You should have known how quickly I got up and walked into my room to lay with Andrew. It scared the shit out of me. I mean, see, there's... you know, And I've done some research on this because, you know, of course, there's something known as lucid dreaming. That's when you know you're in a dream and you can actually influence your dream. You know, and there's actually ways to develop that as a skill to where you can, when you dream, you can actually know you're in the dream and then yeah. control your dreams in a sense. That's act, there's actual science behind that. And then there's uh, um, sleep paralysis, which is extremely scary. And then I think I've had an experience of sleep paralysis twice before, but I don't know, I don't know if I was dreaming or if it was that. But mm-hmm. sleep paralysis is like literally like you know you're awake, but you can't move. Like I had an experience one time where I woke up at my grandparents' house uh, and I... I woke up knowing that there was a girl standing, like a little girl standing next to my bed staring at me. <laughs> I woke up knowing that. Like, I, I'm, I'm awake knowing that, but, like, I want, I'm, I'm thinking, like, just just yell. You know, yell, but I couldn't yell and I couldn't move. Man. And then I eventually went back to sleep. But I woke up, like, remembering it crystal clear. I got chills, like, like but because she was, like, she turned and looked at me. Mm-hmm. But she just stood, like, she was sitting down on the couch, like, she would be watching TV, but I could see her out the corner of my so eye. So what was your trigger that brought you out of the dream? I, I don't know. I got up immediately. <laughs> What's your totem, Daniel? <laughs> is it Maggie, your little chihuahua? Oh, that. Oh. It's uh, uh, another Inception in, reference. It's a, it, I rolled a D6. <laughs> <laughs> Critical hit out of the dream. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> but uh, and I, I told you this before, but I had a dream like that, too, where I was actually, my wife Autumn was being strangled, and then I, like, while we were in bed for some reason, you know, it's one of those dreams you can't explain, but then I immediately grabbed the dude who was strangling my wife, but the second my hands got around his neck, I woke up and my hand was around her neck. Ooh. Like not not choking her, 
but like you know, I, in the dream I'm grabbing and then I wake up, like, and I was like one of the scary. That to me was one of the scariest things that ever I ever because I've never had a, a dream so powerful to where I acted, my body acted physically, reacted yeah. physically mm-hmm. to it. Like you, you know, you son of a bitch, mm-hmm. you know. And then I like, wake up. She just she's still sleeping. I had to tell her about <laughs> it when she woke up. Like I'm like. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> I wasn't trying to be kinky. It was a dream. It was, it was so weird. That's what it was. She's like, oh, not this kinky. <laughs> the bruises haven't healed since last time. I want to wear the wig tonight. <laughs> Did you send that email to David Carradine to let him know what's going, how to do it right? Too soon? Too soon. Yeah, it hasn't been 10 years. All Once right. South Park makes fun of him, and then it's okay. Uh, okay, on to the trivia. Uh, of course, we kind of talked a few scenes about this. Real quick before I get into the trivia, uh, of course, I mentioned at the beginning of this podcast, there were a couple of scenes that when, when you're a child watching this movie, it's freaking scary. Uh, the first one that always creeped me out was the mirror scene, which we... No, that's, that's, that was gr- <laughs> like that, that's, that was the biggest scene to me that's, that I was like, oh my God. Like, well, of course, I, mean, I saw this when I was extreme. That's when I, I went how young and I was, the rating. That's when I went and grabbed the DVD. I was like, like, what is this rated? Yeah, I got some facts on that, too, I'll share in just a second. But that scene always, like, creeped me out. Mm-hmm. Just the idea, and just visually, it's it's an awesome, amazing effect. You know, it's a, it's very great. I mean, great. Gory. <laughs> I'm going to speak sometimes on the podcast. Uh, but, I mean, it was creepy. And then, of course, uh, most people remember, the, uh, from Poltergeist, they remember two things. You know, this room is clear, this house is clear. And then the next thing they remember is the freaking clown scene. I remember now, they're here. Yeah, okay. that's actually the, considered the line yeah. from the movie, but, you know, Ace now, Ventura now, didn't quote that line in the first Ace Ventura movie. Now, the uh, the clown scene, mm-hmm. I've watched Scary Movie 2. Oh, like, so. Like, I didn't watch all of Poltergeist. <laughs> like, I, did, I, mean, like I didn't know that was in there. Yeah. yeah, and her, the mom getting all over the wall. Yeah. So, it tied it in for me. I was like, oh, really? That's from Poltergeist? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I thought it was just something they came up with. <laughs> Yep. Well, well, now you know. Yeah. Our little sound effect. But uh, in the hand, the mirror scene, the hands that are pulling the face off, those are Steven Spielberg's hands. Yeah. So I did read that. Director, I mean, well, was he the director? We'll get into that in a second. Cameo. Uh, there's, there's two big, I don't know if you want to say conspiracies or controversies about this movie, uh, but one, of course, is the poltergeist curse, which is... Uh, of course, Dominique Dunn died uh, November fourth, nineteen eighty-two. That's the, that's the older daughter. Yeah, strangled mm-hmm. by her boyfriend in their parking uh, in their driveway, and uh, she went to the hospital, of course, and died as a result of blood loss of the brain, I believe, very tragically. Again, the movie came out June fourth, eighty-two. November fourth, she was dead. Uh, and then, of course, the little girl Heather O'Rourke, she died uh, in February February first, nineteen eighty-eight, right after they filmed the third one, and she actually passed away of uh, I have intestinal, it, intestinal stenosis. Mm-hmm. Autumn, do you know what that is? It made her... Ask the oracle it, of um, Google. My wife was saying it caused her to gain weight. Um, so I don't know if it was something where... maybe I don't, I don't know. I was wondering we'll find if out. maybe it, it, you, weren't, you couldn't digest food. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. That's what a lot of people believe how Elvis died, too. Like, one of the reasons was something similar to that yeah. that caused it. Uh, that's another topic. But uh, that's... And the idea of the poltergeist curse is because of the tragic deaths of two of the stars, which, you know, of course, Dominic Dunn's extremely tragic, and that's, like, right around the lease of the movie. Mm-hmm. Of course, the little girl, Heather Rook, died, you know, eight years, uh, six years later, 
So, you know, I don't buy a curse, but that, one of the theories is that the skeletons from the pool scene, now those were real, real skeletons, skeletons. Yeah. but <laughs> to tie into the plot of the movie, the conspiracy theory, if you will, is that those were skeletons taken from a graveyard, much like the plot of the movie, and put in the pool for the props, and the dead did not appreciate that, and thus retaliated against younger members of the cast. Did you see the fact that the daughter, the two daughters are buried in the same cemetery? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And actually, uh, the last time, my brother lives in L.A., uh, we went out there for Christmas, and we actually went to, I don't, they weren't, well, do you remember the name of the cemetery? I don't think we went to the one where they were. But uh, the cemeteries, that, like of the stars, so to speak, in Los Angeles, you know, you might say, oh, it's morbid going to a cemetery. These places are gorgeous. I mean, like, they have architecture and statues and fountains from famous sculptors and all this mm-hmm. stuff. So you kind of forget that you're at a cemetery. But, uh, you know, it's, it was still cool. We, uh, we saw the, the window where Michael Jackson's buried. You can't actually go to his grave to pay your respects or whatnot. But you, we, you, it's identified where he is so you can see. Uh, Elizabeth Taylor had just died when we went, and there was a rumor that she was buried in this place that was unmarked that we saw. Uh, we saw Larry Fine from the Three Stooges' grave. Mm-hmm. We saw... Uh, Bob Kane, the guy that created Batman, mm-hmm. is buried out there. People actually get married in the cemetery. Yeah, that, that's how pretty they are. Like, mm-hmm. but you know, they have special places for that. But it's if you're ever in the area, uh, we went to what was it called? It was the Hollywood Hills. Okay, what was the name of the cemetery? Yeah, Hollywood Hills and Glendale. Uh, but it's you know it's it's extremely nice to go to, and of course the weather out there is gorgeous. Uh, but it's pretty cool. We actually, and my favorite, we saw the grave of one of my favorite musicians, Ronnie James Dio. He had the horn hands on his grave. It's quite awesome. And uh, let's see, intestinal, just, this just in, intestinal stenosis, uh, it's involved, it involves a narrowing or closure of the intestine. Food is blocked from passing through the intestine, which prevents normal feeding and intestinal function, et cetera, et cetera, you die. So that clears, clears that up for us. But yeah, that's like the, one of the biggest urban legends or things about the movie. But I mean, it's not like a whole bunch of people died. One person died right by the release, which I mean, oh, the Joker curse. People were saying, oh, Heath Ledger died because the role is so dark. Mm-hmm. Well, Jack Nicholson didn't die. You know, it's just one of those movie things that people, that yeah. develop over time. as a, The Madden curse in video games. Yeah, for the cover, you know, which you're playing football, you know. Mm-hmm. Your chances of getting injured are pretty high. You know, it's not like you're That is an interesting one, but, like, yeah. and one that's been going on a while. Oh, yeah. And then, but still. Well, speaking of curses, the one that I've always, the only one I put stock in because it's really kind of chilling is the, that one, that's a good one, too. The, uh. King Tut's tomb about uh, pretty much everybody who was there, and there was a, in fact a curse. No, uh, was it written in the tomb, or there was there was knowledge of it, but it was written somewhere, I believe, and they in fact all died very, relatively soon after the opening. Uh, but the one I was referring to was a presidential curse. Uh, the rumor, well, I guess not rumor, the theory that uh, I think an Indian chief supposedly cursed the United States presidents that if you're elected in a year that ends with a zero, you will not fulfill your term. Ah, which happened to uh, Lincoln. Uh, I'm missing one. McKinley, I believe. I might be mistaken on that. Don't quote me on that. Uh, Kennedy. And then, of course, uh, I think there was one more. I think it was like four total. But Reagan had the assassination tape. He survived. So it's like Reagan broke the curse. But, you know, this is a factual, I say factual, but, I mean, it is a fact that from Lincoln, I believe Lincoln, it might have been one before him. I'm not sure the exact timeline on it. It might have been. It might have been Harrison. Cause he, yeah, I think it was. Uh, it's on Wikipedia. I mean, you can easily search to get the exact one. But it's pretty chilling that, in fact, from one this period in time till Reagan, 
if a president was elected in a year ending at zero, they did die before they got out of office. So that's a little, that's a little, that's a little freaky because that spans centuries. So it's coming up in 2020, right? Well, no, it's supposedly broke because uh, oh, okay, okay. Uh, Reagan survived and Bush was elected in 2000. 2000 so, yeah. yeah. Hey, hey, <laughs> this is not political. It could be, but we're not going to go there. Uh, all right, back to the trivia. Let me see here. Uh, they, oh, like I mentioned, we talked about the, the supposed curse uh, on the movie because of the skeletons in the pool. But a big controversy about this movie is that Spielberg actually directed it. And the reason he didn't officially direct it was because, again, what came out one week a uh, e. after this? E.T., Spielberg's biggest hit. Well, I take that back. He, Jaws was previous to it. But, you know, E.T. is his highest grossing movie, I believe. Maybe that or Jurassic Park. I have to look that up, That's actually. E.T., I believe. Yeah. yeah, you know, this is the movie that cemented Spielberg. Yeah. Uh, and he was under contract that he could not direct anything else while he was working on E.T. But, again, uh -huh. he did the story for Poltergeist. He wrote, the, uh, you know, the screenplay with two other gentlemen. Uh, he also edited the movie. He did. A t he was heavily involved in all the post production. So, and then some of the actors say that, like you know, they were directed by Spielberg. You know, Hooper was there, yeah. doing you know some of the job, but Spielberg did most of it. But then Spielberg and Hooper both say, you know, that's you know, Spielberg and Selva said no. Toby directed this movie, but you could see this film. I would not be surprised if that was true because it it's a very Spielbergian movie as far as the structure and, you know, the, the happy resolution and whatnot, you know, very, has those little Spielberg touches in it, which is why probably why the body count is one. Yes, unfortunately, the bird, the little pet bird did pass away in the movie. But, you know, it's... it's why, she, why couldn't the bird die on a weekend? <laughs> or no, a school day. School day, that's what it does. Yeah. <laughs> that is the, uh, the only casualty in this film, which, you know, for a movie this frightening, you know... And one that at it, at the time they actually were rating this movie, wanted to rate this movie R because PG thirteen wasn't around didn't yet. Exist yet. So the producers love, uh, lobbied really heavily to get it brought to a PG rating. I mean, I, honestly, you know, aside from the face scene, yeah, you know, I can see it. I don't see why. But I mean, again, which strikes me as odd because again, we're talking about the eighties here. You know, RoboCop, which you will watch eventually, is I mean, extremely, extremely shows. bloody, and it's R. Yeah. Beast no, but I mean, shows boobs. Yeah, but there's no comparison to RoboCop and Poltergeist. You know, yeah. one of these is not like the other. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, you know, it was originally rated R. Uh, I believe, I want to say the movie that brought about the PG-13. Oh, I used to know this little tidbit of trivia. Oh, well, I'll think about it. Uh, I wanted to say it was Temple of Doom, but I'm, I'm thinking I'm mistaken. Uh, but uh, also, you know, Craig T. Nelson, everybody knows him. Nowadays, you know, you, you recognize him. But at the time of this movie, he was relatively unknown, and that's because Spielberg and Hooper, they wanted a little more unknown actors in the movie to kind of heighten the realism and the audience not to be like, oh, there's Sean Connery getting ticked off about these spirits in his house. Or what else? More Jimmy Stewart than Sean Connery. I apologize to Mr. Connery. But uh, which they still do that in movies today. Like a great example would be Paul Greengrass's United... Uh, 93? 93. Mm -hmm. I want to say 13 for some stupid reason. Uh, and a fantastic movie, but all those actors at the time of that it was shot were virtually unknown. So, yeah. like, you're not, oh, there's Tom Cruise, you know, on United 93 before it crashes in Shanksville, Pennsylvania. Uh, and that, that tactic in filmmaking is used to extremely good effect, like, especially in that film. And, of course, there's other ones that you can, 
I can escape me at the moment, but of course, seeing this poltergeist now, you know who Craig T. Nelson is. I mean, you know what's going on. Uh, like you mentioned, uh, the They're Here line, that is actually number 69 on AFI's film quote list. We've had several alumni from that list on the show already. Uh, the scene with the clown and the tree, the idea of that outside the window, the tree outside the window and the clown in the closet, were actually taken from nightmares Spielberg had as a child. Mm-hmm. So he brought, and that he's famous for doing, that's one of his director trademarks. He takes his experiences he's had or visuals that he's thought of at a younger age or that influenced, influenced them then into his films uh, and whatnot. So and when, uh, week before last, we talked about Aliens, how uh, they had, it was, it was direct TV. They were talking about the commercial where they used the footage, and she's like, if I had direct TV, I could be watching this in HD, et cetera, et cetera. They also did one with Poltergeist <laughs> as well. So that's a tie-in to one of our previous shows. I'm sure you can YouTube it to check it out. And I, I, thought, I didn't know this. I thought this was really cool. Stephen King was approached to write the screenplay, but him and Spielberg and Hooper couldn't kind of come to terms with each other as to how they wanted the story to go. Because a Spielberg movie is a lot different from a King movie. They really don't, really wouldn't kind of mix. But you would kind of think this is the closest that they would get in terms of a Spielberg movie being like a Stephen King-ish. I mean, this, I mean, you know, I mean, aside from Jaws, Spielberg hasn't, I mean, this is is a true, Jaws is a horror movie. I mean, it was always in the horror section of my local video store, you know, but Poltergeist is more traditional horror, what you would think of as a typical horror movie, a ghost story. And that's exactly what it is. Jaws is like, what's in the water underneath me? You know, that's more of a primal fear of humans that we have. Like, I mean, if you've seen Jaws, you go to the beach and you can't touch the bottom. I know exactly what's going through your head. What is under me? You know, what's you, out there? You saw that the day, that time we went out there. I had a life vest on. I, that was one of the scariest moments of my life. Oh, we to the, to that thing? Yeah, we, we all went to it. We had a beach trip several, several years ago. And uh, they had one of those big floaty thing, like trampolines in the middle of the, not in the middle of the Gulf. But, I mean, you had to swim out to it. So, it was... We couldn't touch the bottom halfway out there, so we're all like, uh, yeah, let's get to it pretty yeah. quick. Because, of course, we're on the Gulf of Mexico, and that was the year, I believe, where they had several bull shark attacks, and a couple of people had lost a limb, and one girl died that year, I believe. So it was on everybody's mind. But, I mean, even when I go to the beach today, you know, if I can't touch the bottom, there's always that thought in the back of your mm-hmm. head. And, I mean, I, Shark Week's my favorite week of the year, <laughs> so I, I know what's out there. I know that there could be a bull shark 10 feet from me, and he probably won't bother me, but it could happen. <laughs> you know, I'm just prepared. But, uh and, of course, uh, we talked about this before in the podcast. My parents live in Simi Valley, California, which is notable for a couple of reasons. Uh, the Three Amigos was shot out there, one of my favorite 80s movies, which we'll watch as, on this podcast as well and go over. But also, uh, Simi Valley is the location of the house from Poltergeist. And when we went out there for Christmas this past year, uh, it's right down the street from where my parents' apartment is. So <laughs> it's still there. It still looks nearly identical. And the same family still lives there. Awesome. Which I don't blame. If I was in the if I was in a house that was used in a movie, I'd stay in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of houses for movies, the uh, Home Alone house, like a couple years ago, went on the market, mm-hmm. so you could buy the house from Home Alone. But also, uh, the other thing Simi Valley is kind of known for is that it's also the location of Spawn Ranch, which if you don't know what that is, that's where the Manson family was hanging out. Mm. That was their. It, it, that's the thing that it's it really an extremely is, yeah. beautiful yeah. area, and then like there's this road. I forget the name. Something Canyon Road. Uh, that we drove, it was a very scenic view, and then like we would drive it going back and forth into the main city of Los Angeles. But that road is where the entrance to Spawn Ranch is. And there's a very famous, you probably have seen it, Andrea, heard of it, the famous picture on, of Life magazine where they're under a rock, the Manson family. Okay, never mind. But uh, it's a very famous, iconic photo. That rock is still there, and it's like literally like 20 feet off the road to where you can walk <laughs> to where, I mean, that's how, and of course, it, 
it's a, it was a different area in the 70s and what, 60s, whatnot. You know, it wasn't as, as developed. Uh, Simi Valley now is a kind of a booming area for residential people living out of the city, you know, a suburb of Los Angeles. But a lot of history in that city. Uh, the actual address is 4267 Roxbury Street. If you're in the area and you want to go stroll by the house from Poltergeist. And uh, on that trip, too, it was sort of weird. We, it was a very morbid trip because <laughs> we went to the, uh, the Hollywood Hill, the uh, Forest Grove cemeteries and whatnot. Forest Lawn, I'm sorry. And uh, Forest Grove is actually the sanitarium from Halloween. <laughs> but we also uh, we went by the house from Nightmare on Elm Street, which looks the same, still has the red door and everything. Uh, we found the American Horror Story house. And also, uh, we had a little day trip to Pasadena, which where my wife would like to live, and we saw the house from Halloween, the original, and also the famous hedge from that scene uh, in the movie. So it was around Christmas time. So, <laughs> but uh, that's the easiest thing to find out, honestly. Like when you, because we've been to LA, I've been to LA several times visiting my brother. That was her second trip. But we've kind of done all the touristy things. So let's go see some stuff from films we, we that we like and. The number, the most things you could easily find are this is where so and so was murdered, or this is the house from Nightmare on Elm Street. I mean, they even have tours that take you like to the uh, the Tate House, uh, where the Manson murders actually occurred, and like by OJ's house and all that. They actually like uh, where else? They take you outside the Viper. Well, you pass by the Viper Room anyway if you go down uh, Sunset Boulevard, where uh, of course we were Phoenix died and uh, the place where Dominique Dunn got strangled. Like it's the Hollywood murder tour. Now, they have a similar thing in New Orleans where it's more like, you know, ancient, not ancient, but, you know, Civil War history yeah, era. The New Orleans one, it was more like ghosts and stuff yeah. like that, right? That's a little bit less terrible than, <laughs> I'm going to go to the Tate house where this where? family was brutally murdered. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God, that's awful. Santa Susana Pass, there we go. That is the road where uh, you can get to Spawn Ranch if you want to go be a little more morbid than we were and be adventurous. Maybe the ghosts of some of the well, they're all not. None of them are dead. So, well, a couple of them are. Yeah, don't don't go there. There's, there are a lot of rattlesnakes. Uh, let me see here. Back on back to the topic of poltergeist. Let's see. Uh, uh, Drew Barrymore auditioned for the role of Carol Ann, but again, the proximity of this movie to ET in her audition for Poltergeist, Spielberg basically kind of stole her from Poltergeist and said, "No, you're going to be an ET." And the rest is history for her. Uh, this was really cool. And I actually noticed this the last time that I watched it. Like, that sounded like a lion. The beast sound effect from the end of the movie is the current MGM lion roar. <laughs> yeah, I said that when we were watching. It sounds like a lion. And this, uh, we kind of briefly got around to this. But uh, this is a horror thriller, horror thriller film with no murders and no fatalities, aside from the bird. <laughs> so, you know, that's, that's very rare. But I think that's also a testament to... Uh, well done filmmaking and you know yeah. you can make you know you don't have to have that for a movie to be scary and this movie is scary you know especially to a, a younger person and if you don't like clowns you definitely shouldn't watch this movie <laughs> you know so it's I don't think it holds up you know it's still especially in today where they're just remaking everything you know this is you know Blair Witch had a I mean love it or hate it it was very unique for its time but here's a movie PG by Steven Spielberg that's just as effective, if not more effective, at scaring you. I don't know if it's, you know, like how much of it has to do with being a woman or anything like that. I think part of the reason why this movie scared me so badly is because I'm thinking, you know, that would be terrifying when you're sitting there worried about your family. You've got two kids that are helpless and dependent on you. And even if, you know, you don't believe, like, okay, poltergeist, maybe not, I don't know. But 
that to me is a little more frightening because it's in their house. It's invading mm-hmm. their personal, yeah. their families, as opposed to like going to a camp somewhere where mm-hmm. a bunch of teenagers are having sex and being chased by a crazy yeah. guy in a, in a mask. What's that? that it's just sort of like we were talking about aliens a couple of weeks ago, how the terror of aliens, that it's something inside you. You can't control it. Yeah, <laughs> the pregnant woman points to her belly immediately. <laughs> Excellent reference, you know. But like you said, it's very similar to that you know it's your house. Something is in your house, and you you know Amityville, The Exorcist in a in a mm. regard, you know, a little more extreme in The Exorcist, but it's something you know in your personal space. And so that's very true. Like that's what's scary, mm-hmm. you know, something that you, that you know it's in your dog, it's in your daughter, it's in your wife or your husband or whatever. It's somewhere you have no power over, and that's that can be terrifying. So, uh, and it's, and, it, and it's done extremely effective, uh, real quick tip before you get to the wrap up here. Uh, Joe Beth Williams did not want to do the pool scene simply because, you know, they have all the studio lights everywhere. She was terrified of one falling in and being electrocuted. So while in that scene off camera, Spielberg said, look, I'm going to get in there with you. So if something happens, we both fry and that coaxed her to do it. <laughs> so that's how, why she was in the pool doing that scene. Uh, also, uh, Dana, did you notice what football teams were playing on the TV early no, on? No, one of the Saints. Yeah. Saints and the Rams? Excellent. <laughs> yes, yes, it was. Uh, like we said, the real skeletons in the pool, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. The sucked into the closet. The yeah. stuff was being sucked. Uh, Joe Beth Williams, the only scene that, I mean, I'm sorry, not the mama. <laughs> <laughs> not the mama. <laughs> not the mama. <laughs> Check out the nostalgia episode of 80, uh, Geekly Dose for more on dinosaurs. Uh, Heather worked. Carol Ann was yeah. the scene where, like, uh, it was the closet. One of the things yeah. we sucked in the closet. That time. scared her to where, like, Spielberg ran to her and, like, like okay, ba- you know, like, comfort her. Like, you don't have to do that again. Sorry, it was so scary. And, and there was also, also a scene with the with kid the where it was strangling him. It was, actually, was actually strangling really choking him. him. And at first, Spielberg and Hooper thought the kid was acting, <laughs> like, improvising the scene until they realized he was turning blue. And then they ran over there and got it off of him. So... Maybe that was the curse. <laughs> it was trying to get him first. Who knows? But uh, again, this movie released June 4th, 1982, very early in the 80s. I was two years old. I didn't see this till I was much older than two, VHS rental, maybe even on TV. I honestly don't remember the first time I saw it. I know I was definitely young uh, in the 80s when I saw it. But in the real world, on June 6th, two days after the release of Poltergeist, the Lebanon War begins in which Israel invaded Lebanon. And of course, the UN quickly told them to get the hell out of there. And then, uh, let me see here, on June 10th, 1982, Lili Sabisky, the actress, was born. I merely put Interview that because uh, I like saying her name. Lili Sabisky. Huh? Sabisky, whatever. Oh, okay. Well, I know she's in Deep Impact. I know and her then... from The Wicker Man with Nicolas Cage because that movie is awesome. In fact, go YouTube it and just, just you don't even need to watch the movie. Just YouTube it because they have all the great scenes the on the YouTube page. little girl Interview with the Vampire? Is that, is that a Kirsten Dunst? Yeah, that one. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And then uh, on June 8th, four days after the release of Poltergeist, Survivor released their epic album, Eye of the Tiger, <laughs> containing the hit single, hit title song, Eye of the Tiger, and the rest is history. <laughs> and of course, Rocky uh, three released the same year, 82. I'm not sure of the date. But uh, big year for music with the release of Survivor. So uh, again, everybody, uh, any final thoughts, Daniel? Uh, about uh, Daniel's score, did he say that? Oh, thank you, Jesse. Uh, I, for, I keep, I just assume it's always going to be a seven, so I guess I just subconsciously skip it. But this is, uh, this is one of these, like, now that I'm a, about to be a parent, and, mm-hmm. and you know, a niece and nephew would keep a lot. And that kind of brings it down to some of the parenting <laughs> of it. But I would give it about a six. 
Okay. Mm. I think that's a little low for the movie. Yeah. With the talent in the movie, again, like... I see. So you're looking. A lot, that's why one thing I like about discussing about it is teenager. Because, I probably would have really loved this movie. <laughs> yeah, and see, like, and that's another thing. Anytime you watch a movie, you know, like for example, uh, uh, shoot, 127 hours. That is the right number, right? For that yeah. Movie. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's a. Have you seen it? Yes. You seen it? No, she can't. She couldn't. Oh, okay. she oh, couldn't oh, see oh, that. Oh, yeah. Scene. Daniel's wife doesn't like anything. Gross. So there's a great cringe movie. moment worthy but, on that. But uh, have you seen it, Jesse? Okay. There's now. I'm not a parent, but Daniel, you're about to be a parent, but. My, my, me and my brother have extremely similar taste movies, and he didn't like that movie at first. But when I watched that movie, I was like, this is a good movie. But then there's a scene when he's nearly passing out, he's about giving up, and he has the vision of his son like that he hasn't, doesn't have yet. Yeah. And when I saw that scene, that's, I was like, Danny Boyle, you son of a bitch, you did it again. You made a great movie. Danny Boyle was the director. Yeah. Uh, I was like, oh, you did it. Like This movie is, that was my pick of best picture of, the, of that yeah. year. Uh, that made that scene made the movie for me because that, that brought it all home. Because yeah. of course, going into the movie, how are you going to make a movie about a dude trapped in a rock, but his arm in a rock for a hundred for five days? Mm-hmm. How are you going to do that? You know, Danny Boyle, I shouldn't have doubted you. You're one of my favorite modern directors. You did a great job, bravo. But uh, yeah, like you know, watching that, I, I can only imagine watching it when I am a parent. Mm-hmm. You know, even the, it'll probably mean even more. And also, we, we have talked about we're talking about how Andre Andrea doesn't like. Uh, Gore or anything like that. We're talking about American History X. Having a brother, and I'm sure you can relate to it too, and you have a brother too, don't you? So, you know, uh, having a sibling and watching that movie, it has such, especially me, I have a younger brother, you know, the end of that movie, that is so powerful, having a young, like the influence that an older brother can have over a younger brother. Uh, and, you know, that your life experiences can add to or hinder how you like or how you view certain movies. Just like you said with the parenting aspect, you know, like you're you're staring at that every day. You know, you're on the verge of you. you mean, you technically are a parent because there it is. It's just not out in the open yet. You know, so that's something extremely close. You know, a life changing event and a, a glorious and amazing thing. You know, so you're gonna carry that into how you view movies now. Yeah. You know, which that's a good thing. I mean, we kind of had a little bit of discussion with Dirty Dancing. Yeah, with how. Oh yeah. yeah. Listen to that one for all the gory details. The parenting and that. <laughs> the A word. But yeah, uh, you know, I would, you know, again, IMDb gave it a seven point four. Rotten Tomatoes eighty seven. I'd say it's a solid eight. You know, mm-hmm. it's uh, and it's not. You know, I hate. I don't like to fall into. You know, I hate to criticize you for rating everything a seven or whatever. Mm-hmm. I tend to rate everything. I haven't rated anything too low yet. But again, we've pretty much watched movies that I love already. Yeah, I was about to so, say there's not been but, a movie uh, that you don't. You we're gonna really yeah. We'll, we'll get on. We'll, we'll have to do that. We'll have to mix it up because there are some we had briefly talked about. I don't know if it was on the podcast or off of it about a couple in particular that didn't hold up and weren't too good. But we'll definitely do that so it's not just me raving about a movie that's so great to me and then Dan like, yeah, I just thought it was pretty good. Mm-hmm. So we'll have to mix it up a little bit. But yeah, definitely thank you guys for listening. We appreciate it. Again, we're kind of mobile this week, so if the audio is a little off, we'll be back in the studio next week. And don't forget, we have two contests, actually three contests going on right now because mm-hmm. uh, we do record these episodes uh, two to three at a time. So we do have the Aliens contest uh, to win a copy of the Boondock Saints on DVD. We have the Labyrinth Contest to win a copy of Labyrinth on DVD. And the impromptu trivia question from this episode, if you know the name of Hulk Hogan's character in Rocky Three, shoot us an email, 80srevisited at gmail.com, no apostrophe. We will give you the next movie that I, I get on Blu-ray on DVD. but I, I don't remember it. So not, impromptu not, not trivia contest on this episode of 80s Revisited. And again, guys, please check out the other podcasts on the Awesome Podcast Network. Uh, they get you through your day. We all enjoy listening to everybody's. They're, some of them are extremely rage-inducing if you don't agree with what people are saying. 
But that's a topic for another, but that is another story. Uh, and we actually haven't even decided what we're going to do next week. Or No, we're talking about, uh, did we even get that lined up? It really depends on. Oh, yeah, uh, the baby. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, yeah, the baby. Uh, we don't, uh, let's say, we're, we, I know week after next we'll be doing Batman, the Tim Burton 89 yeah. Batman in preparation for the conclusion of Nolan's Dark Knight trilogy. So next week will be a bit of a mystery. Ooh. We'll figure it out between now and then, and then tune in next week for the mystery 80s movie. We'll try to mix it up a little bit. That's why I kind of only did a horror movie this time, since we have only done one previously. But definitely, if you haven't seen any of the films we've talked about, if we haven't completely spoiled them for you, definitely check them out. They're still worth watching. Uh, in my opinion, all of them that we've seen so far are. And Daniel's not so much. He'd tell you to avoid Big Trouble in Little China, but now we're just rambling. Actually, you know what? Let's do the video game one next week. You want to do that? Sure. Just okay. in general. Yeah, old school Nintendo games. Yeah, if you listen to the Aliens one two weeks ago, we ta- we got on an extreme tangent at the end of the episode about vi- 80s video games. So let's that, yo, because we talked and, about that. And I have a feeling uh, Jesse can give us some input on this as well. Oh, definitely. So. A roundtable discussion of 80s revisited, revisiting 80s video games. So until next week, I am Trey Harris. And I'm Daniel San Angelo. Jesse Sedgley. Cowabunga! show and more at the awesome podcast network's facebook at facebook.com slash awesome podcast network and follow us on twitter at awesome podcasts